everybody. Hello, how's it going on? You guys doing good? I'm going to adjust the height of this for a second here. It's a little too low for my liking. All right. It's so good to see you guys here. Welcome to Challenge, everybody. Welcome to Challenge. Uh, this is the first Challenge large group meeting that we've had in a year and a half. And that's just remarkable to me that we've been able to just kind of hold together as a community for this long. For those of you who have been a part of it since then, I'm just so glad that you're still here, that we're still a part of it. But specifically, I'm so glad for everybody that's here that just this is your first time. Maybe you're starting just for the first time at Chico State. And so I'm just glad that you're here and getting to be a part of this with us for our first uh, large group in such a long time. And so we have this series called ID. And the idea about that series is figuring out who we are and who we can become. Just looking at identity, what the Bible has to say about that, and just hopefully some things that you can really uh, just take home with you uh, whenever we come together for challenge on Tuesday nights like this for the next several weeks. And so I'm going to start, before I be really begin, I'm going to pray, and then after that I'm going to share with you some thoughts from the Bible about identity as we go into this new school year. So pray with me. Father, thank you so much for everybody who's here. Thank you for picking each one of us to be in this space, to be sitting here. I believe that it is no accident that you brought each one of us into this space. I pray that you would be working in our hearts. God, that your spirit would be moving in this space, that we would just really be able to sense you and to embrace the love that you've given each one of us. I pray that we would all just take away something new tonight for us to apply to our lives. And I also pray that tonight that we would just gain new understanding of what it means to follow you and to understand just uh, knowing you, Lord. So thank you so much in your name, amen. All right. So I have one question to, that I want to begin this with. It's also the title of this message, and it's called, Who Are You Going to Be in College? Who Are You Going to Be in College? I want you to think about that, actually, for like two seconds, okay? Who are you going to be in college? Honestly. Because as we go into this new kind of semester, then we get to kind of decide, like, who we're going to be. So do you guys remember high school? You guys remember high school? For some of you, it wasn't that long ago. For some of you, it's an ancient memory because you've been in college for way too long. And so think for, with me. Think with me. What mattered the most in high school? What mattered to you? And there's all these different things that we could think about maybe. Man, we want to be cool in high school. We want to be appreciated. Maybe you tried to be the smart guy or the funny guy. I was trying on all these different hats when I was in high school, just trying to fit in with people and trying to belong to something, you know? And, uh, you know, yeah, I was trying to be kind of like, oh, smart. You know, people see me as intelligent. But it turns out there was always somebody who's smarter in the room. And I was trying to be the funny guy sometimes because it wasn't working being smart. There was always somebody funnier. <laughs> and then I was in a band in high school, and so I tried to be the music guy. But there was always somebody who was better at playing music than I was. And there's always different things that were just plaguing our minds in high school. Does that matter now? How cool you were in high school, does that really matter right now? Honestly, I don't think it does very much. It doesn't for me. And I've been out of uh, high school, I've been out of college for a little while now even too. And... Honestly, so many things that were bothering me uh, in high school and sometimes even things in college that I decided to do. 
and just let bother me, that matter to me, don't matter anymore. And so we need to be thinking about what are we going to live for that's going to matter in the future after college? Like I said, we're stepping into this new semester. Yesterday was the first day of classes. We're back in person. It's really exciting. You guys excited about in-person classes? Yeah, okay. Right, very good, very good. So uh, this is, perhaps for many of you, this is your first time being at college. Maybe this is your first in-person semester. You know, you had your, or you had your whole freshman year, you know, and you weren't able to do anything. You're just in online classes, and now you're here. And so you're stepping onto this campus for the first time. You have this clean slate. And even for all of us, even if you're a junior or, you know, maybe you're a transfer, whatever you are in this space, like having this new semester is this opportunity for us to reinvent ourselves and choose who we're going to be, who we're going to be in college, who we're going to be this school year and for the rest of college. And so this is the perfect time right now to choose who you're going to be. Not a month from now. So many things are already going to have happened by then. Now is the time to choose who you're going to be. And that intersects with the fact that college is this time in your life and you're going to make some of the biggest choices of your entire life, right? Maybe you're going to find out what kind of job you're going to have for the rest of your life or what kind, you know, what kinds of major and certain specific, specific thing you do for your life. Maybe companionship, you find the one when you're in college, right? Maybe that's something that happens to you. And also just the values that you hold dear to you for the rest of your life, I think are really going to be defined while you're in college here. And so this is a perfect time to really figure out like who you're going to be. The identity you take on is gonna indicate the decisions you make in terms of your job and your companionship and your values. And so right now, right now you guys, is a crucial moment. You have a clean slate as you go into your college experience. The next few years is when you're going to make some of the biggest decisions of your life. And so what are you going to live for? Who are you going to be? And so I think there's, going to, there's three things that are going to shape your identity. And I have them written down in your handout. There's some little blanks if you want to follow along with me. Okay? Three things that will shape your identity in college. Okay? So the first of those is the friends you make. The friends you make. Honestly, the kinds of people that you hang out with are the kinds of, kind of person you're going to become, really. You become like the people you spend time with, you hang out with. Proverbs 13, verse 20, in the Bible says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. A companion of fools will suffer harm. And so part of why I'm so glad you are here is because there are so many great people to connect with, a challenge. I'm so glad you're here for that reason. In my freshman year at Chico State, I didn't really get involved in any groups like this. I didn't, I didn't associate with any wrong people. Um, I just didn't have like a vibrant community who was helping me grow. And so that first year of college, I was just kind of stagnant and uh, wasn't really going anywhere that I could have been going. I could have been growing so much in the first year of college. And then in my sophomore year, that's when I began attending Challenge. That's where I met some nice and genuine and loving people who cared about me and made my life better. And that's what I want for you as well. 
1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. And so the reality is, though, that there are people that you can associate with, that you can hang out with, that you can spend time with that are not going to lead you down a good path. They're not going to help you grow. They're not going to challenge you to be a better person. They're not going to challenge you in your walk with God or your journey in spiritual things. And if you associate with the wrong people, you can be misled. It says there in that verse, do not be misled. Okay? If you walk with the wrong people, you can be deceived. And you won't know it until it's too late. So it's really important to have a good idea of who you're going to walk with, who you're going to run with. Challenge is a place where everyone is accepted. And so if you're wondering whether you belong here, I'm just going to tell you now, you belong here. You can be a part of this with us. We build meaningful relationships. We build meaningful friendships in a number of ways. We do it through social events. Uh, Like Matt was saying, you have this flyer in your handout with all these different fun social events that we have going on. It's just a great way to meet people and connect and just be encouraged and get excited about um, all the things that we have going on this semester. And then we also, in a couple weeks, actually next week, next Thursday, we're going to have life group Bible studies that you can do in a group of people that are similar to you, in a similar stage of you. And so that's a great place for me, especially when I came as a sophomore. That was such a great place for me to connect with people in a very close, personal way. And then also we have trips. We have special trips like a fall retreat. Who's been to fall retreat before? Yeah? You guys, you guys like fall retreat? Have you been to fall retreat? Yeah. So... Fall retreat is a thing we do every, well, most, not last year, but most Septembers. And so the last weekend, the last Friday, Saturday of September, we have our fall retreat. And that's another great way to get involved uh, in community here. And so those are just some things that we have, that we do as a group that are going to help you to grow. And I believe those are the kinds of friends that you want to make. People that are going to help you grow, that are going to help you to really just um, take your walk with God seriously, and to make choices that are going to matter um, in a positive way in your life. The second thing that is going to, um, that has to do with your identity, that's number two, the purpose you choose. The purpose you choose, okay? That's another hit blank on there. So everybody has a purpose, right? Everybody has a purpose. But most people aren't intentional, I think, about choosing their purpose, a default purpose that people have is, a, is not an on-purpose purpose. And so some people just have a default purpose. It's just what everybody else is doing or what people I think are cool are doing. And so maybe a default purpose for you is uh, success or finding the one or having fun. And there's all these different things that we can do that are, kind of, are good things or whatever. But that's a, if it's, that's your purpose, then there's more to life. There's more that you can experience. I want to encourage you to be intentional about your purpose. Be intentional about your purpose. Why not choose a purpose that will matter 10 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, okay? When we discover God's purpose for our lives, he brings out the best in us. When we discover God's purpose for our lives, he brings out the best in us, okay? Before I truly focused on committing my life to Christ, I was so insecure. I was so insecure. I grew up being really timid around people. 
And I was just afraid all the time of making a fool of myself. Do you any of you guys feel that way or have felt that way? I was just so insecure about all these different things. But this, this verse uh, came into my life as around the time that I was really trying to make steps in my relationship with God. It's not on your handout, but 2 Timothy 1.7 in the Bible says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And that is the change that God made in my life, in my heart. I used to be so worried about what other people thought of me, but now he's given me new purpose in the power, love, and self-discipline that he supplies. That's my story. That's really how God got a hold of my life and helped me to change and gave me a new purpose in terms of the way that I was living my life and choosing to be just affected by the opinions of other people, honestly. And so there are so many other students in Challenge, a part of this community, who have experienced new identity, new purpose through Jesus. Ephesians 1.11 in your handout says, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Makes everything work out according to his plan. God has a purpose in mind for you. Let me say again. God has a purpose in mind for you. If you choose to be united with Christ, you can experience the freedom and purpose that I and many others have experienced. And so a third point that I'm going to get to now is going to help us discover our purpose. So third, your relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus. You can write that down. Now, we say that a relationship because it's not about religion. It's not about rules. It's not about making people happy. It's about connecting with God because he loves you and he wants to make your life count, okay? God wants to make your life count by giving you purpose. In college is the time that you get to decide for yourself what you are going to be defined by, okay? Like I was talking about earlier. And so there's three insufficient things that I've identified to be defined by. Three insufficient things to be defined by. And the first is your past. Your past is an insufficient thing to be defined by. You know, we all have guilt and shame in our lives from things that have happened in our past. Maybe it's something that we've done or maybe it's something that's been done to us. We've, but we've all done things that we know deep down are wrong, right? We've all done things that we know deep down are wrong. And some of you may be, still be struggling to let go of something, to let go of the guilt of something you've done. And maybe you're struggling with frustration toward someone, what someone has done to you. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 in God's word says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The new has come. Okay, that means that all that stuff in the past that got you down, that you're ashamed of, that you feel guilt about, is all in the past. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ. And so that is the antidote to our past, is 
God can come into your life and restore you and give you new life. He can make you a new creation. And so that's one of these three insufficient things. The second is your inabilities. Your inabilities are an insufficient thing to be defined by. Okay? You may not feel like you're good at very much things, many things. And maybe you've accepted that and have actually let that define you. I've definitely felt like that. I've felt like I was so weak in certain areas of my life that I couldn't achieve anything of value, honestly. That was kind of the messaging I was giving myself at some time was just, man, I can't really do anything very well because there's all these people that are better than me, right? And, but God, God's word says this, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the the power of Christ may rest upon me. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When I figured this out, I realized that I no longer needed to worry about my weaknesses. I didn't didn't need to worry about those defining me. Just like that social anxiety, that fear, that timidity, that was controlling my life, was doing, right? That was this weakness that I struggled with for so long. But now God has just overcome that weakness with strength, with his strength, with his boldness, in order to be able to do things that I'd never be able to do on my own. And so your inabilities are an insufficient thing to be defined by. And then third, your abilities, your abilities are an insufficient thing. your abilities. Now this, I think, makes a lot of sense to us. I think we live in a culture where it makes sense to us to where your value is defined by what you can offer, by your abilities. For many people, they're defined in this way, their successes, their achievements. That's such a common thing to strive for, impressing people with what we can bring to the table, basically. Even that, okay, is insufficient to define us. Why? Because in the Bible, the book of Jeremiah records this. It says this in your handout. This is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, showing faithful love, justice, righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. And so you may be good at so many things, and you may be proud of what you've accomplished and what you can achieve and the things you can do. But before a holy and powerful and all-loving God, your achievements don't, don't, don't match up very much. And there's always somebody else in the world who can do a certain thing better than you, honestly. Sorry if you didn't know that before. And so we need to understand the one who boasts should boast in this. Boast in what, guys? That he understands and knows me. That's God speaking. If we understand and know God, that is a thing worth clinging to. That's a thing worth being defined by. That's a thing, being able to just embrace the power and the love of God. That's a thing to cling to for our identity. And so that's, that's one all-sufficient thing to be identified as Jesus. 
That's one all-sufficient thing to be defined by as Jesus. And so Galatians 2.20 in the Bible says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have died with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who, who loved me and gave himself for me. So God's love gives you purpose. God's love gives me purpose. God's love gives us an identity. And so as I wrap up here, I want to help us understand, we tend to be distracted by so many things that get in the way that we think will satisfy us. C.S. Lewis, he's the author of the Chronicles of Narnia book. He wrote this. He said, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. When we're distracted by other things to let define us, to let matter in this finite time and space that we're living in, in this important moment of your life in college, then it's getting in the way of what truly matters. And that is your relationship with Jesus. John 10.10 says, this is Jesus talking. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so this is abundant life that we're talking about here. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means that when you, if you're a sinner, Christ still died for you anyway. I love this verse because I'm a sinner, okay? And Christ, Jesus died for me anyways. And that's such good news. Imagine you're in a courtroom and you're guilty of a serious, serious crime. And the judge says that it's a fine of $500 million dollars it's just a big number, I guess. 50, 500, doesn't matter. $50 million or prison. Those are the two options. You don't have anywhere near that kind of money, right? I don't have that much money. And so because of that, they walk you out of the courtroom. They're like, okay, I guess you're going to prison, right? But then the judge stops the proceedings and he pulls out his checkbook and he writes out that amount. He says, all right, I've paid the fine for you, Okay. So now that the fine has been paid, the law no longer has any hold on you. And so you're free because of the gift that you've been given, okay? And that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did by dying on the cross in our place. By saying yes to following Jesus, you can experience salvation from sin and an abundant life. And so I just want to once again encourage you, what a better time, what better time than right now at the beginning of perhaps your time in college, or at least this brand new school year, to, to in a, what a better time than to give your life to Jesus and to experience an abundant life that we're talking about here, that his word talks about. And so how we say yes to following Jesus is to do three things. They're written there. It's simple. First, we admit that we have sinned against God. Second, you believe that Jesus died for you and he rose again, defeating death. And then C, commit to follow Jesus as your leader and forgiver, okay? Those are the three steps to saying yes to following Jesus. So I'm going to pray right now. The rest of the band is going to come up on the 
on the stage. And so you can repeat after me if you want to make this decision for Jesus tonight. If you want to say, yes, I want to give my college experience, my life to following God, to knowing Jesus. And so I'm going to pray and you can follow along. You can repeat in your head uh, after me if you want. So pray with me. God, thank you so much for all you've done. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. I admit, Lord, that I have sinned against you. And I choose to believe that, that Jesus, he came and died for my sins. And he rose again. And because of those things, I commit my life to follow Jesus as my leader and forgiver. Thank you so much for this gift of mercy and salvation. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.